0: Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with Kansas City-based jazz pianist, composer, and educator Andrew Olad. He's originally from Hannibal, Missouri, and he is a fixture on the KC Jazz scene. He learned under the watchful eye of the world-renowned saxophonist Bobby Watson at the University of Missouri-Kansas City Conservatory from 2008 to 2012. And these days, he has quite a busy schedule. Most notably, he gigs each weekend with the legendary KC musician and entertainer Lonnie McFadden at the Reno Club. He's got quite a story. Enjoy.
1: Thanks for taking a minute out for Neon Jazz. I really appreciate it.
0: No problem. So
1: I had a wonderful time. My wife actually took me to see the Lonnie show at the Reno and I've seen you in different capacities and it was a wonderful show and I've just wanted to catch up with you for quite a while so I appreciate it oh no
2: problem man yeah thanks for thinking of me for this
1: yeah you bet so you got quite a gig I mean I I would imagine this has to be one of the more upper shelf gigs to have in the city to be at a dedicated venue with Lonnie McFadden so how does it feel
2: Oh, it's great. Yeah, that is true. We haven't really had, you know, a place where we can just set up and that's where we play the whole weekend. It's kind of been, you know, just wherever, you know, we've kind of bopped around to different places, so it's nice to just have, you know, a home base. I don't have to tear down a keyboard or anything. There's a nice piano there. Yeah, it is really, really nice.
1: You really, you know, when we think about all of the ambiguity and all the shutdowns and all the suffering that the artists have gone through. The one thing that seems to remain constant is Lonnie's one of the very few entertainers probably in the world that actually opened up during the height of a pandemic and really has been consistently playing. It's been a consistent gig from the word go, even now as we deal with the variant and things that are happening now.
2: Yeah, I mean, we were in the parking garage, which, you know, is kind of unique. Not every place you know, had the ability to put the band outside. So that's why we were able to start in July, I think, is when we started playing there. Yeah, I mean, Lonnie just, he will just always be working. That's kind of a a magical thing, as I don't understand. I'm not as good at that as he is. He just, he knows how to, you know, he always will find work.
1: He is one of those cream rises to the top kind of guys. What else is going on? I know, you know, this would be a different conversation, say, a month ago, probably around the time that I actually saw the the show down at the Reno. But things have changed a little bit. So what is your itinerary looking like? And, you know, how has it been to be able to actually perform live during all of this chaos that's been going on?
2: For me, honestly, not that different. We'll see how it goes going into the fall here. But I still have, you know, all my stuff with Lonnie and things aren't getting canceled necessarily yet. um, So... I I wouldn't. For me, it's not really different. I wouldn't say from a month ago. But um, you know, I'm lucky to be a rhythm section player, and that I don't have to breathe through my instrument. Because I know that that kind of keeps changing for vocalists and horn players. So that can affect whether you know they're able to go out and work. It's been pretty consistent for me. I feel like I have been one of the luckier musicians um, during this time, and I just basically have to continue working. I just had to wear a mask.
1: You're originally from Hannibal, Missouri. Talk to me a little bit about how the seeds of not only jazz, but just playing music got into you.
2: I started taking piano pretty much when everyone else does when I was like seven or so, and I didn't really, I wouldn't say I loved it. I mean, maybe I liked it a little more, but I wasn't like obsessed with music when I was seven years old. I wouldn't say I really got serious about it until high school. And there were some guys a few years ahead of me who were really good jazz players who had, you know, gone to the same high school, so I kind of used that as inspiration and I had a really great uh jazz teacher in Hannibal. His name was Jason Duggar. and you know, he I think he was huge in really getting me hooked on this. Um he you know, he was just a great influence and a good player.
1: So to have that influence I think kind of I don't know, put me down this path. So who were you listening to in the beginning? Who what what uh, <laughs> musicians were really getting you going. I don't know. I mean, none of the people I would be, you know,
2: that I would say I that really influenced me now. I didn't it, it's kind of funny to think back. Then I kind of was just listening to whatever, you know, my friends were listening to or just kind of I guess I would I would get some recommendations from my teacher, you know, like Miles Davis records, but I wouldn't say I had a real informed uh, idea of what I wanted to listen to then. I don't yeah. think I really started to get that until, you know, college. And then after that, it's just, you know, I feel like you really find out what your influences are and what inspires you.
1: So once you did really get that jazz bug, what was the first live jazz show you saw that really kind of was like, wow, that's something I'd like to do?
2: That's a good question.
1: I feel like I went to some shows at the Blue
2: Room, kind of when I got to Kansas City, you know, my freshman year, maybe seeing Bobby at the Blue Room. I feel like I went and saw Logan Richardson, and you know, at that time, I had no idea what Logan was doing. I couldn't understand the music really, but I, you know, I could still feel the the energy behind it, and I thought it was really cool. And I, I guess I wanted to understand, you know, just what these guys who were a lot better than me, what they were doing. I, I don't know if there's one particular show necessarily that I could that I could pick out.
1: Did you have any association with Matt? And I know he's from Hannibal. Matt Cain? Uh, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah, so he's one of them definitely that was an inspiration. Um, and I did, uh, there was a period where I was playing with him, I think, try, I'm not I'm trying to think of the year. I would have been like 23, so maybe 2013 to 2016. Um, you know, when he would come to town, I would play with him, and I made a record with him at that time. And yeah, yeah, he was definitely... A really positive influence and still is yeah and um you know like uh i don't know if you know michael schultz he was a uh, you know the. he was three years older than me so i guess that was the most direct like oh okay this is a guy from hannibal who's you know went to umkc and you know was doing really well for himself so marty morrison too those guys are all from yeah. hannibal
1: i didn't realize there was such a strong hannibal connection to the kansas city scene <laughs> so that's nice What brought you to, was it UMKC that brought you here to Kansas City? UMKC,
2: yeah. I mean, I knew Bobby was there. And then I would say the biggest thing was that a lot of my peers who I thought were great musicians um, were going to UMKC. So I was kind of like, well, I kind of want to be in that glut of, you know, guys my age. So I, I would say that was a big
1: factor. What was that like there? I mean, it almost seems like this kind of glorified institution A lot like what you would hear on the coast, whether it's Berkeley or whatnot, when Dan and Bobby were there. It just seems like there were so many musicians that were churned out that are a part of this young or this young lion-esque kind of scene that's going on here. I mean, there was a lot of, you know, Herman and you and Michael and so many other cats. What was it like to learn under someone like Bobby?
2: Oh, it was incredible. Yeah, I mean, Bobby he definitely keeps it real with you. I think that's something unique about him, maybe that not every, you know, high-profile high, high profile jazz, I don't know, actually. But that was definitely something I hadn't experienced before. He'll, you know, he will tell you, he'll tell it like it is, you know, which I think is really valuable. You know what I mean? That's honestly the best kind of education is just to be really honest with people about what they need to work on, what they, you know what I mean, what they don't need to work on.
1: And I mean, yeah,
2: uh, Dan was great too. I mean, I would say some elements of it were, similar to any other, you know, big music school education, probably take some of the same classes. But then, like I said, I think the biggest thing was just the peer group. Um, there, you know, there were guys older than me who were really, you know, inspirational. Herman Mahari, I think, is probably the one I would think of the most in that regard. Um, Herman, he just, he's made a lot just kind of happen for himself, and I've always found that really inspiring.
1: So what were those first gigs like? You come up to the big city. You go to a, a school with an internationally recognized jazz musician. What were those early gigs when you were really starting to kind of get your hands wrapped around the instrument and, and your your place in the scene? My feelings were
2: the whole range of emotions. You know, it was exciting, you know, terrifying, maybe, you don't know, sort of, you know, because some of it I was like, oh, I've never, I was not quite ready for this, um. Those two things, maybe the most, um, you know, terrifying in a good way. Just like, oh, man, I need to work on this aspect of being a musician. Um, and, yeah, it was just I'd never just definitely the the caliber of musician I got to, <clears throat> you know, play with on a regular basis, jumped way up, which, you know, that was really cool.
1: What's been the most enjoyable part about being a part of this association of musicians in Kansas City, the Kansas City jazz team? What has that been like? What do you like the best about it?
2: Oh, everyone likes each other and is nice to each other for the most part. Um, that's a really nice thing. You know, it's definitely a community. Um, people are looking out for each other. Um, but yeah, I would say that. And I mean, the level is very high, too. So it's, you know, it's great to get to play music with people on, on the level that you want to. And, you know, even on the level that, you know, there are some people where I'm like, oh, man, I don't feel like I can quite hang with you. That's inspiring to get to do, to play with people who are better
1: than you piggybacking off of that what what do you like the best about kansas city
2: i guess i like the you know the midwest vibe i'm from the midwest so that's what i know uh the food is great obvious that's an obvious answer um you know it's a nice place to live it's fairly affordable to live um but it's also you know an exciting big city especially you know coming from hannibal missouri this was like I know to some people this seems like a you know a less uh, exciting midwestern city maybe, but not to me. I think it was the opposite. You know, I'd never lived anywhere with this many people and
1: just this much going on all the time. You know, over your career, you've had the opportunity of obviously you've learned from Bobby. Uh, you played with mm-hmm. Devon Tennecott, um Roy Hargrove, right. Lonnie McFadden. You know Marilyn May. What have you learned from these veterans and these big shots in the world of jazz? that has in turn helped you as a teacher to teach the younger players? I guess just, you know, going back to
2: kind of what I said that I got from Bobby, which is just, you know, in a nice way, being really honest with people, you know, and just trying to, you know, not sugarcoat things and just, you know, this is what I think you're doing really well. This is what I think you could work on. Um, I guess that, yeah. I mean, just, you know, these people just have so much experience so you can just kind of feel that when you're around them they've just been there and done everything and been in all these situations that you're kind of wondering how to
1: navigate so what do you like the best about being a professional musician every day you wake up you get the chance to create music what's the most enjoyable part of it
2: i mean that i guess um music definitely is the most interesting field of study to me so i guess just that to get to you know think about and focus on the thing that I find the most interesting every day. I would say it's the coolest part of it. Kind of what you said, yeah.
1: Let's just kind of enter, enter kind of this realm here of what if. If you have a dream tonight, you run into your younger self around the time that you were starting to play, and you could give your younger self one piece of advice based on what you've learned after all these years of being a professional musician, what would that one piece of advice be?
2: Learn everything by ear. Stop learning things off charts focus on your rhythm. <laughs> I think rhythm was something that you know, at some point I really started working trying to, you know, zero in on that and work on that. Um I think it's hard to know at that age. It's hard to really because you don't even know yourself as a player yet necessarily to really kind of see your own strengths and weaknesses. But yeah, I mean, I would say maybe the first thing especially that I said, just learn everything by ear. I think I was still I was always a really good note reader which I think, you know, that can be a real blessing, but it can also kind of hold you back because then you can just read everything off a piece of paper so you don't feel the need necessarily to learn it by ear,
1: which is really the way to do it. Let's enter another realm of, of, of what if here. If a jazz DeLorean pulls up in front of your house when we get off the phone and you can punch in the digits, go anywhere, see anybody in the history of jazz, who are you going to go see? Where are you going?
2: I would go, well, probably a lot of the obvious answers. I mean, I would go see John Coltrane Quartet in, you know, 1963, 64. I would go see Art Tatum. I would go see Charlie Parker, Bud Powell. I mean, you know, probably a lot of the obvious answers, but for good reason, because that's, you know, they're the best for a reason. Um, Yeah, I guess maybe those people I mentioned.
1: You know, you've had the chance to see a lot of faces over this pandemic, and as it's eased up, and things have started opening opening up. What has been the most pleasurable part for you as a musician and then seeing people that are coming out more now about them kind of reliving live jazz again? Well, yeah,
2: kind of like you said, I guess just seeing people rediscover that they like live music, you know. It's like you don't appreciate something until it's gone sort sort of that kind of aspect of it. Um, just, you know, feeling the crowd energy and just, you know, really getting back to that live gig experience has been really nice. Um, You know, playing over Zoom or, you know, doing like live stream gigs is obviously not the same feel. So, yeah, just having that crowd energy there has been great.
1: So why do you love jazz?
2: Because you can do anything, I guess, which is really, you know, uh, a little terrifying, but also really freeing you you know you make all the decisions about what you want to do so i guess i like that aspect of it and maybe to piggyback on that i feel like jazz musicians are true studiers of the music you know what i mean it's like that's i think what i'm really interested in even more than jazz is just actually knowing understanding the harmony and the rhythm of what i'm doing you know that's my favorite aspect of it getting to study that
1: beautiful so let's get to the essence of you. I'm going to save this one for the last one here, and it's this. Everyone has a perception of you, your family, your friends, your fans, your students, but ultimately you live your life. You're the one in control. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? A working
2: lover of music. I do genuinely love it. Um, yeah, and just someone who's always striving to get better at what he's trying to do.
1: Beautiful. Andrew. Thank you, man. It's been uh, great catching up with you. It's been great to see you out live. And, uh, that, oh, that, thanks, Joe. Uh, yeah. yeah, that Lonnie night was, was quite magical to, you know, finally really glad to hear see it. Yeah, something that, that great live. So, hey, thanks again. I really appreciate it. Good luck with, as everything opens up and the world kind of hopefully starts returning to, you know, some semblance of candidate. It's, uh, right will be good. Thanks Thanks for having me on this.
0: Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview where we give you a bit of insight into the finest cats in Kansas City and spots all over the globe, giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Andrew for catching up with us and for his story. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the NeonJazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends.
1: Leon Jazz.